Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. Father Shane Demon is still not with me because I'm still hanging out with Danny and Ashley Suave. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you guys. We were told Father Shane was going to be here, so that's why you wanted to come. Could, uh, you wanted to actually meet make him this quick. Have you guys met Father Shane before? <laughs> yes, he probably doesn't remember us. So he doesn't, or me. Well, at least. I I randomly ran into him at the hospital in oh, Sioux yeah. City, and he didn't know who I was, but I was all like, "Oh yeah, Father Shane!" Like I knew him. Because I listened to the podcast. And you could hear his voice from across probably the room say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just knew his But then I slowly realized, oh, he doesn't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I know Father Travis. I'm from Lamar's. Yes. Welcome and- <laughs> to the life of like priests. So it's like everyone knows who we are. Yeah. Especially like <clears throat> I was a seminary and my, po- my head was on a poster in every single parish and every single school across our whole diocese for nine years. Then I took two years off of being on the poster and then now I'm back as vocation director. Everybody knows who you are. And then like people expect you to remember them from like, oh, remember like the one time you came like, Right. It's tough. Like when I taught Totus Tuus across the diocese, a couple years later, people, hey, <laughs> hey, how you doing? How you doing? Good to see you. Yeah. I felt bad just being at the school, a little bit at the school mass. I remember a lot of the kids' names, but there was a couple that I didn't yeah. remember in those cringy yeah. moments where you're like, Ugh. Can't remember everybody's You can't. You can't. Try. I do think it's funny that you guys probably are some of the, I mean, I'm going to say this, and then if there are bigger fans of this podcast, please like write to us and let us know. But you guys are pretty big fans. So, like, Danny, you're, like, sitting here, you're like, it feels like I'm listening to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it does. Danny, it's fancy equipment. You literally are. Yeah, well. Because it is pretty cool to whip out this equipment. Father Shane uh, he bought some cool stuff back in 2020 when he was kicking us off. So here we are. So it's great. We've had a nice kind of string of, like, and you guys will, you know, haven't got to hear them yet, but all these different guests we had that Father Shane and I got to hang out with at Seek. Um, and now coming back, still having it packed up in my car from Seek, just to come here and record these is really, really good. Well, it's an honor to be a part of that club. Mm, yeah. The cool club. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's the the few, the proud, those who've been invited on the podcast. So yeah. congratulations. Yeah. You 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 made the, uh, the short list. Yeah. You made it. You did. That's great. Yeah. Okay. I asked you last episode. You got a favorite episode or no? Can't oh, think shit, of anything I now? about it. The ones with the, the ones with the Swaffords. The Swaffords. Oh, well, you're a big Swaffords <laughs> fan and, uh. Because because Doctor Swafford came and gave like a presentation to the yeah. parish for um, maybe it was a confirmation retreat and then gave a talk at the parish. Uh, I think you guys are the second married couple to come on after the Swafford, so that's that's pretty good. That's pretty that's pretty nice. Well, I really like yeah. him because afterwards, you know, there's always a line. To yeah, people who want to talk to him. And I think one of the first things he said to me was like, "Did you play football?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." He's like a big yeah, totally. Like, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "Yeah, he's a he's a big guy too." So yeah, I mean. It's kind of cool. Real respect, real, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, you know, last last episode, we did talk about just kind of your guys' experience of loss and the Lord's faithfulness and strength. And I'm just hopeful that in this past week, that has been like a word of encouragement for our listeners. Like wherever you find yourself in your walk with the Lord, wherever you find yourself in a relationship with God, to know that, okay, he is real and he's breaking through. Um, and I love, there's that line from the the prologue of the gospel of John that we hear on Christmas time, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
Um, I talked about it before, but the small group uh, community liberation that I'm a part of, when we pray the Angelus, we say, and dwells among us, right? Just to this reminder that like, no, Christ is with us right now, right? right? He's dwelling among us. So I just hope that's been like a word of encouragement. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's fun. Take a shift to maybe talk about more of a hot topic. You know, year uh, probably like a year ago, over a year ago, Father Shane had a podcast where he talked about kind of these three C's that have changed culture, especially like in the in the Midwest, in our diocese, in our towns. And he talked about cars, combines, contraception. Right? He talked about people being more mobile, people driving all over the place, small towns not having the kind of tight economy as they had. Talked about agricultural and farming technologies increasing, so there's not need for all these farming families. But the big one, right, contraception. It's like, it, thankfully, here in Lamar's, there's still some pretty big families. Um, not a ton, but there are still some of those families from a couple of generations ago who are still around, right? There's yeah. Langles and Sitzman's everywhere yeah. <laughs> in Lamar's, right? But I mean, some of those families, some of those families from a few generations ago had like 12, 15 kids, right? Yeah. On the my, farm. Yep. My grandma Langle had, let's see, nine. And then my grandma Ferg's had 10 kids. Yeah. And then my parents had seven kids. Yeah. So those are still big families, so, you know, and yeah. there's still a few, there's still a few families around town that have a number of children, which is beautiful, right? And it's in, especially in a parish like this here at All Saints and in a community and a school, it's really it's really beautiful. I mean, my great grandpa came from a family of like 14 yeah. or something wild like that, you know? Um, but we don't see that. Right. No. And I think what we see is so often the opposite, right? Where children are seen as an inconvenience, yeah. right? Yeah. Especially as, as folks, I'm just going to group myself. I'll be 30 soon enough, but <laughs> you know, young adults, it's like, no, I want to do lots of things and kids would get in the way of that. Right. You know, I just want to live more or less a selfish life, you know, kind of yeah. like we talked about before. Um, children get in the way and they're not really seen as a gift. The reason I was here in town was to just preach at the school mass, but it happened to be that kind of pro-life mass, uh, at January when the March for life, you know, usually falls within January at some point. Um, just a, a focus on the gift of life and the protection of the unborn, even though, you know, Roe v. Wade has been overturned in some ways and that power is in the hands of the States now. Applause. Applause. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 that's good. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> it's true. It's good. It's hard. And I feel sometimes Maybe I'm just like too jaded as like a young millennial, right? But it's like, I'm just like, oh, cool. But there's still like a lot of other crappy stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, it's yeah. hard to where it's like, oh, but like politics is not the savior of the world, right? It's like, right. it's just not going to, we can have this like kind of hope and then it can kind of be let down sometimes. But yeah. regardless, there's just this recognition that children are not seen as a gift. And as we were talking last episode about your experience with your son, John, that you got to know him face to face only for an hour, but you had nine months with him in the, in the womb. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. And I mean, we celebrate the feast of the annunciation for a reason that Jesus was conceived in the womb of Mary, you know, March 25th, right. That's nine months before Christmas. That's why we celebrate it then. Right. right. Because there's a recognition that like, no, the word became flesh and dwelt among us in the womb of the Virgin. Right. John the Baptist leapt in the womb of Elizabeth when he encountered Jesus in the womb of Mary. Yeah, it's like we're talking cool. about like babies right yeah. now. We're talking about real people. We're talking about children in the womb. But I think we can feel with our friends, with our family members, there is almost like an allergy to having children or having too many children, right? Yeah. So Thoughts? I guess I want to jump back to, I don't know if I would say people think children are like not a blessing or inconvenient mm. or an inconvenience. I think it's more about 
we want to have control over when we have our kids and mm. how many kids we have. So like we think we are, it's okay for us to be in control. I think that's mm. the issue nowadays because... Especially parents who maybe have a few kids. Right. Maybe, maybe young people when they're in high school, college, maybe that's when there's a little bit more of a fear of children, right? Like, yeah. Well, you know, cu- culture tells us that, you know, because mm. like all the procedures you can have now the the way you can wait or people always say this like well we're not ready yet or i think right. it's time or you know or this is our last one mm. oh yeah <laughs> because yeah my husband will you know yeah well get, yeah get his procedure done yeah vasectomy or yeah. a tubal ligation sometimes i like just using like the big words and people don't it's like <laughs> yeah all these different types it's like yeah you can throw an iud in and have that just hanging on your uterus for a while until you want to have a baby and then like pull this like plastic thing out. Yeah. And it's like when you, it sounds pretty like, it sounds pretty, and as a nurse, it's like, you know how these things work. It's like everything sounds pretty PG when you just think about it or see it on like a nice commercial. It's just like, oh, yeah, don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Right. Oh. I think in the midst of this, and as we start to jump in and talk about contraception and sterilization, right, vasectomies right. and tubal ligations, there's just like this looming weird thing that I think a lot of people either forget or don't understand of like the church's teaching on marriage, sexuality, but especially contraception, right? This is one of the biggest misunderstood. So like just quick little history thing. The church has always taught against the use of contraception, right? Things that are getting in the way of the, the marital act kind of coming to fruition. Everybody always makes this comment. And you guys can say, you know, having struggled with, if, you know, fertility in these different ways, right? Losing babies to miscarriage or with baby John. Um, people always say like, oh, well then like, what about couples who can't have children? It's like, no, the natural end, right? To the marital act is like the openness and the possibility of having children, right? right. St. Augustine talked about the threefold good of marriage. And he said it's, it's offspring. <laughs> it's like, obviously. He said it's... Um, fidelity and then he said it's sacramentum which means kind of like the bond that's there like to kind of create that that was pretty much like the the consistent teaching of marriage for a long time and then in a beautiful way paul the sixth uh saint paul the sixth now he brought in this idea that maybe instead of having like offspring at the top that there's this twofold good of marriage of sexuality um, and I love telling high school kids babies and bonding, right? So he said the procreative and the unitive end of marriage. It's a twofold purpose, a twofold end, right? Then, I mean, you have, well, I'm curious what you guys think. Do you know the first time that any Christian church allowed contraception to be used in the context of marriage? Have you ever heard this stat before? No. It's shockingly, like, recently. Well, that's not, not that, that shocking recent. to me, at least. So 1930 was the first time the Anglican Church, they had this Lambeth Conference. And in 1930, they said, and this is before there was all these different technologies of contraception and you know sterilization. And they said, maybe possibly sometimes in super rare circumstances, a couple who prays about it, discerns what their pastor does this, might possibly sort of sometimes be able to use contraception <laughs> in the context of marriage. And then they said, it's like you give people an inch and then they go uh, like yeah, 20 miles absolutely. and yeah. boom, it just blew up, right? So it's wild. It's like you're approaching the sexual revolution of kind of the summer of 1969, right? 1968. So there's all of this pressure from the outside toward the church to say, hey, you really need to reconsider to the Catholic church, reconsider this kind of age old teaching on the use of contraception, sterilization, because like, look, different time, modern people, modern man, we need to like change it up. 
So St. Paul VI, the Pope, he said, okay, we're going to have this theological commission. You guys are going to do some research into this, and you're going to report back to me. So the theological commission reports back, and they said, yeah, you should actually probably like kind of move away from the traditional teaching of the church. And he said no. And he came out with Humanae Vitae. So for, for all of our listeners, it's not very long. Humanae Vitae means on human life. And Humanae Vitae in Latin is just the title of it. It's, it's for free on the Vatican website. It's not very long. But in it, he comes out 1968 and goes right against the current trends of the culture and even of the theological trends in the church that said, like, we should allow contraception in marriage. We should allow these different things. And I, what I love is John Paul II would pick this up in Theology of the Body. But this is where the, the kind of four Fs of marriage come from, free, full, faithful, and fruitful. He says that in Humanae Vitae. And explains like, guys, if we're going to start using contraception in marriage, if we're going to start kind of like treating children like, like you just said, Ashley, like if we're going to try to be in control and not allow this openness to God, he gave this one of the paragraphs. It's like this almost doomsday prediction in 1968. He's like, there'll be more divorce. More children will experience like abuse. More women will be objectified, you know, like. He just like says all this stuff and it's true. I think all those things happen, right? I think they're happening, you know, in full measure today. So now we find ourselves in a spot where it's like, I'm a young priest trying to propose the church's teaching that's been held consistently, right, for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are a young couple trying to live that, right? In a culture, even in a Catholic culture, where the vast majority of families, right, they either are using contraception throughout their marriage or before. And then the big question right now is then like you get to a point you say, we're done. Right. Two, three kids. We're done. Yeah. You know, Seems we'll have like, a vasectomy or a tubal ligation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so I kind of went from one end to the next here in college. I did use birth control. Mm-hmm. Um, I like I said on previously, I was far from the Catholic faith. Mm-hmm. I, um, and I didn't it, it was because everyone else was doing it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel wrong doing it. No one once approached me and said, Hey, that's against your faith. Yeah. And yeah, sure. I probably should have known that. But I didn't it. It wasn't like, you I could just know. not go to mass and you won't have to worry about it's it. Right? Normal yeah. Thing in the world, right? yeah, it was just like, all my friends are doing it. So yeah. you know, it's normal. Um, and then so we get married, right. And and it just seems like, okay, stop the pill and we can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And God like was, he laughed at us, you know, he was like, nope, you're not, you're not in control here. Mm-hmm. So we get pregnant with our first one and on our 20 week ultrasound, there's no heartbeat. Mm-hmm. So we delivered him and we got pregnant again and at our 13 week ultrasound, no heartbeat, mm-hmm. get pregnant a third time no heartbeat and it's sorry um so three babies in a row three babies in a row we lost and it was all i had this mindset that you know i'm in charge here you know i googled when do i ovulate Mm -hmm. and you know you try to figure out when you ovulate and it was just so much me i never once pray i don't think i don't remember praying to god to bless me with a child Mm -hmm. i remember just saying okay Done with birth control, we can get pregnant. And, yeah, this, and is, this is my life. Yeah. I do what I want to do. Right. Yeah. And and then after that third loss, it just like hit me. And I was like, I don't want to be pregnant. I need a break. I don't want kids right now. Like, I'm done. It was, it was very hard emotionally. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> a month later, we get pregnant. And it was unreal, the amount of like peace that came upon me. And it was like, I knew 
And it was that moment where I was like, God is in control. The moment Mm. I let go and said, I don't want to do this anymore, God stepped in. Well, he was stepping in all along, Mm. but, and, and I had this peace and I just knew that this baby would survive and it did. And it's our, you know, oldest little Chloe. She's six now. Yeah. And so that was just so eye opening that we're not supposed to be in control. We can try to be in control, but that's not the way God wants it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he will bless us with our kids yeah, when it's time. So absolutely. Yeah. Again, beautiful witness. And I think just a little, just a piece to add to what I'd said before and, and Catholic speakers and priests will, will always come back to this, but the church has never proposed like an irresponsible parenthood, right? Where it's like, there's no control to raising our kids, right? It's not like they're just supposed to be these like, you know, primitive, right. like yeah. cavemen running around. Like, yeah. no, there's like a proper order that comes to like raising a family, raising children, right? As mother and a father having order in a house, right? Just as God has order in creation and gets to give the gift of his like paternity, right? To parents. Yeah. He also gives the gift of like order and peace, right? That we bring order out of the chaos. That's what God does. And he lets us be instruments of that same work. But the churches understand like what is responsible parenthood. And even in Humana Vitae, St. Paul VI kind of proposes like, so yeah, what are the questions surrounding the appropriate decisions about how to space children, right? Yeah. And so the move from like, well, I'm just so in control, I'm so in control, that the same culture that just supports abortion, right? That when I don't want a child, I don't have to have a child, th- yeah. is the same culture that supports IVF, yeah. right? When I don't want a child, I can kill it. And then when I really do, I can use like... Medicine. Yeah, I can use, frankly, a moral way to like harvest eggs, yeah. right? And to make all these children and to freeze them in, mm-hmm. you know, like these different ways. It's like, but the bigger question I think you're proposing is what's God's plan? Yeah. 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 And like when I back off and I kind of let go of the control, sometimes it's like asked of me right? <laughs> when things happen that are totally out of my control. Yeah. Right. Like well, losing these little ones. Yeah. Go yeah. Ahead. I mean, we've been, so this is our 10th pregnancy and mm-hmm. we have three living children. Mm-hmm. And so that in itself is just like all the losses we've had. It's like the doctors don't really have the answers to it. Like, oh, you two are so healthy. Like, mm, I don't know. It's, they don't really know why we lost mm-hmm. all those babies. And it's like, who does know? God. God yeah. knows. Mm-hmm. And he's teaching us. And all these struggles that we go through in life, they're to draw us closer to God. And mm. and it's it's for a purpose, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, contraceptives, you know, we do natural family planning. Obviously, we haven't... Um, tell us what a quick... Tell us what that is quick. So, essentially, you find out when you ovulate and you're not supposed to have sex like a few days before and after. Yeah. Basically you're just when trying you're to figure out when I'm fertile. Right. And it's just taking advantage of the non-fertile times of a woman's cycle. Yeah. Right. People get all bent out of shape and they say, well, you're just using a contraceptive mentality to That's still use it. This is what, this say. is what Catholic Catholic, yeah. you know, this is what college students or in college seminarians do all the time is say this, but I think what's beautiful is like you're just paying attention to the body. And you're just choosing not to come together as husband and wife sometimes yeah. and to come together as husband and wife other times. Well, right? the thing with natural family planning is at the very first time we really tried it out, we didn't, you know, we wanted to wait a little bit before we got pregnant again. I struggled with it because I felt like I was trying to be in, in charge mm. again because I was, you know, we couldn't have sex for a week or two and it was just like, so is this Mm. God's plan? Like it didn't really feel like it, but 
now I'm at a point where it's like when you abstain from something, you know, like during Lent, we abstain from something and it draws us closer to God. Mm -hmm. So like abstaining for that week or however long, it actually draws you closer to God because you need to, you know, pray to get you through if that abstinence. And then um, after you abstain from something and you finally... Yeah. You know, get you it again. It, you can see it as a it's, gift that it is. It's a gift, yeah. yeah. And yeah, then yeah. and then it's like, it changes everything. Changes the perspective. It really does. That's really helpful. <laughs> I, I remember Father Michael Lachlan once talking about like the Byzantines and Eastern Christians put us to shame when it comes to fasting. They just like destroy us. Like they're like Lenten fasting for like hardcore like Orthodox and Byzantine Christians. It's like no meat, no alcohol, no oil, no dairy. It's like vegetables it's like what do you do beans and stuff yeah <laughs> oh, and they, it's really funny they get all like kind of like like crunchy hippie like with like they'll use like <laughs> like they'll use especially during the during the year they'll use like fun like alternatives like coconut oil and all this stuff and yeah. but then they get hardcore during lent and it's like they cut it all out but father michael lachlan always points out um he's like we only fast so that we can feast right that's yeah, fasting right. the christian life it's like so to give up some of our own control and our own preference and our own choice in different moments, it helps to strengthen our will to choose the good. Right. Right? That's the whole. Well, and it's all over the Bible. You know, like God never in the Bible necessarily made anything easier for anyone. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, there's a group of people that wandered around the desert for 40 years. Right. Noah sat on a boat for a long time and then Jesus came and helped a lot. Yeah. But but like all those things have a common theme, right? It just makes things easier. Mm. Like the contraceptives and the way you talked about it, Ashley with like you you didn't have control anymore because when we assume that role, we're assuming that role that God has for us. Mm. But we're pretending that to it's be us being in charge. Mm-hmm. But nothing in the end comes good from it, like fulfilling from it. The the struggle, the 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 reason why we give up stuff is like you said to feast. You know, like, Jesus cures blind people, mm-hmm. right? And deaf people and people with leprosy. But they had to be blind and deaf and full of black sores mm-hmm. before they were cured. That, like, Holy Spirit moment when they are cured. Like, can you imagine watching someone get mm-hmm. cured? Like, what do they look like when they're cured, when someone can see for the first time? Yeah. That moment doesn't happen unless he's sucking, for a yeah. long time, not being able to see. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just like, well, we know that moment happens, which is awesome. So we think, oh, that'll happen to me. Yeah. But no, you got to suffer a little bit. Yeah. And to recognize that you need a savior. Father Shane and I talked about this a number of weeks ago now. It's like that that's a struggle of like modern men and women, right? In our contemporary kind of post-Christian culture, right? It's like because we have so many like advancements in technology and medicine, whatever, it's like, great. I can make enough money. I can make myself happy. I can have all my distractions like you talked about before, Ashley. And I can be in control. Yeah. And I'll have my perfect house. I'll have my perfect amount of kids. And they'll be in my perfect Instagram pictures. And everything will be perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that'll work for a little while. But then stuff's going to happen. Right? right. And when stuff happens, like you said in our last episode, it's like to stand in front of the problem, the issue, the suffering. And to stand in front of the crucifix and to recognize that, okay, God became man and he dwells among us. Not just in these like, you know, cute little Christmas card moments. He actually dwells among me like in my suffering. And on the cross, he took on all these moments of suffering, 
right? And Jesus became totally out of control, right? This is God who could have, uh, one of the bishops at the seminary always used to say like, he just snapped his fingers and like everybody just like poofed yeah. out of existence who were like torturing him, killing him, right? But I mean, he even said like, Father, like let this cup pass for me, but not my will, but your will be done, right? Exactly. So as we wrap up, I just think like, thank you again for the witness because this reality, like God is in control regardless if I try to be in control or not. Yeah. So to train my will, train my life in such a way that is open to God being in control, like that can only lead to a deeper relationship with him, can only lead to growth and holiness, right? However, on the flip side, the the grasping for control in my life, right? And especially with a lot of our friends who are parents, right? Whether they're starting their families or trying to kind of you know, put the caboose on the end of their families, right? As they'll say, mm-hmm. there's there's that that grasping for control in both ways. And I think you guys are a great witness to like when you step back and say, "No, God, you're in control. I want to give you, I want to give you uh, permission." Yeah, and I just think I've said this before, um, but I think God, you know, gives us marriage, right? Mm. To to try for we can try to show each other the love that God shows us, but I think He gives us kids to prove to us that we have that capability because there's not a parent in the world that would turn their kid away, no matter how much evil they do, you know, they'd always take them back like the prodigal son, right? Mm -hmm. Always like you'd take Hitler back if you were Hitler's dad. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's your hot take. Yeah. You know, you'd forgive Hitler if he was your son. Mm -hmm. Nobody else would, but you probably would. Yeah. So that, that is, there's a gift that we receive in these sacraments in these life that it's like, it's a suffering, but Jesus promises to be with us in the midst of the suffering. And he promises to welcome us back. Yeah. Well guys, thank you so much for being on another episode of your favorite podcast of all time. Outcast Catholic. Totally. Uh, we'll be <laughs> praying for you guys and your family. If you please pray for us and our listeners, God bless. Thank God bless. you. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcast Catholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time. And God bless. <laughs>